This episode includes a discussion of sexual assault and rape. Please take care of yourself and only listen if these are safe topics for you. If you need to talk to someone or need further resources, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. Please listen at your discretion. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week starting book three of the Twilight Saga, Eclipse, which is probably my favorite book as a whole in the series. And today we're discussing the first half, chapters one through 15. Yeah, for anyone who is new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and we read and reread YA Lit together from our childhood or adolescence, and we're sharing these books with each other. So we alternate between series that one of us has read and the other hasn't, and we're currently on Asia's turn to reread and my turn to read for the first time. Yep, I've read Twilight before, and this is Charles's first time. And this format is fun because you get to hear from one person who is reading for the first time and one person who is rereading, which is me this time. And the newbie, Charles, always gives a quick summary of the reading in case you couldn't read along with us. Yeah, so we have the Cullens. They're back in Forks for good, which means that Bella and Edward are back together. The Cullens are kind of keeping Bella restrained and away from Jacob because they fear for her safety, but she is kind of resisting their restraints. There is a mounting threat from Victoria, as well as a newborn coven in Seattle. And of course, we do have the looming threat of the Volturi as well. So there's a lot to be worried about. Bella tries to navigate her relationship with Edward, her friendship with Jacob, and her impending transformation. She's really close to graduating. She's fighting a lot with Charlie, and she's excited to become a vampire, but she's also not completely sure if she's ready for the change. And we get some more vampire backstories and werewolf history. So we get a lot of exposition and world building, which is awesome. And just quickly going into my impression of the reading... It was that this reading felt a lot like some of our older Percy Jackson readings, where in those books, the first half of the reading would be a lot of rising action, but no actual events. And then the second half would be like the whole plot. So this one didn't feel like there were a lot of actual concrete moments, but it felt like we were building a lot of tension. We were sort of boiling water and next week it's going to be crazy. So I'm really excited for that suspense to be released There's a lot of tension, and I'm really ready to get into it. Yes, I cannot wait for us to read the second half because, like you said, there is, this is building up. There's going to be tons of action in the second half, so I'm very excited to reread it, and I'm excited to have you read it for the first time. Yeah, let's just dive in. So we have Edward and Bella back together, much to Charlie's chagrin, and Bella's getting into colleges because they're basically putting together a charade or cover story to explain Bella's long absence. Because after she transforms, obviously we know the transformation itself takes three days, but we're kind of getting the vibe that it's going to take a whole year, generally, for her to get under control of her vampire instincts. Or at least that's the general pattern. As you know from previous episodes, I think that Bella might have like the power of restraint more than others, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But basically, she's going to have to stay away from Charlie at least for six months, because she won't be allowed to be near humans once the transformation starts. 
So she has to basically put up this cover story of going to college, and she's thinking the further she goes, the better explanation she has for not coming back anytime soon. And we quickly find out that Victoria is back, and everyone in the story knows that Victoria is back except Bella, and she really doesn't like being kept out of the loop on this. Yeah, and Edward should have really told Bella about Victoria because it's sort of causing a worse problem by not warning her. She's just going to get more stressed when she inevitably finds out. And then he kind of makes the same mistake with her in reference to Jacob because Edward gets really controlling with the whole like Bella not being allowed to see Jacob and she's not allowed to go to La Push. And I understand that he's worried for her safety because like he's a young werewolf and they can be very volatile and like you don't know what's going to happen and he's worried. But that's a simple reverse psychology that the more he tells her no and that she can't go, the more she's going to want to go see Jacob. Yeah, we're getting a lot of Edward making human mistakes, which kind of just breed more problems, which I actually kind of like. I like that we get Edward not being perfect all the time because he's so frequently perfect. So I think that that's good character development for Edward. I'm pretty frustrated with Bella, to be perfectly honest. She wants to be friends with Jacob, and I think that's just a no-go because... She can't be with Jacob. She's chosen to become a vampire. When she becomes a vampire, they'll be enemies. Granted, these vegetarian vampires, they're not really at odds with the LaPush pack because they don't, you know, eat humans. But she won't be able to cross the boundary line. Like, when she becomes a vampire, she will be a sworn enemy of the pack. So I don't understand why she's even trying to be friends with them because she's made her decision. Like, and I mean, let me just get to a litany of things that I'm frustrated with Jacob about, but Bella tolerates Jacob's prejudice. He never can say say vampire. He always has to say leech or bloodsucker. And she tells him, she's like, you have to stop doing that. And he does it every single time. And she's like, don't say that. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I just can't help it. Like he's done that like four or five times in this book alone. Like the first time he's prejudiced should be done. Yeah. And another Jacob thing. I'm like, I'm just, I'm building up steam. I have to release some of it. But like Jacob says that Bella only likes Edward because he's has money and he's so pretty. Like that's super objectifying and disrespectful. And like I said, Bella tells him like, she's like, don't say that. And he still says stuff like that. So besides the fact that like Bella has made her decision, she's obviously going to become a vampire she also is tolerating really bad behavior on Jacob's part, so I'm pretty mad at her. Yeah, that's why I said, I mean, we, yeah, Jacob's definitely my least favorite character, most problematic character, but I mentioned in the last episode how for Eclipse, Bella is to me, I think this is the worst book for her character because it is really frustrating to hear her just let Jacob get away with all these terrible things, and she's like, I still love him, and I want to, I want my best friend, um, But yeah, I also have a beef with one of Jacob's arguments that Jacob is not human. And they have this whole conversation about like, he's like, feel my heart. It's beating just like yours. And like, Jacob, you are also not human. You don't age. You heal extremely quickly. Like, and you're strong and could essentially hurt Bella too. You're just as dangerous for Bella as Edward. And With Bella, I understand that Bella wants to be there for Jacob because he's hurting 
because, you know, he's lost Bella, his friend, you know, his mortal enemy, the vampires, I guess. And especially she feels kind of probably indebted since Jacob was there when the Cullens were gone and she was depressed and going to pieces. But all he's trying to do basically is try and steal her from Edward. So like he doesn't get your emotional support. Like he's a toxic person and he's literally just trying to do things that you know won't make you happy. Like he's, and that's why I said I have my whole thing. Like I don't really think Jacob actually loves Bella because if you love someone, you would want them to be happy and he doesn't want her to be happy. He wants her to be with him. So he's a very selfish character. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that specific thing a little later on with Edward. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right. His mindset is steel, and that's possessive and it's chauvinistic, and we've tolerated it for way too long. Bella, like, when she says she wants to be Switzerland, I'm like, one, I don't feel like a lot of people understand the history of Switzerland's neutrality, but that's just me going off on a tangent. I'm not going to go there. But she can't be Switzerland if she's chosen to become a vampire. Like, that's like her saying she's the United States in World War II right before they enter. So they haven't joined the Allied powers yet. But, like, she's decided she's going to join, like, she's going to join the Allied powers. She's going to help the UK and France. So she can't be part of, like, she can't be neutral to the Axis powers. That makes no sense. She's chosen a side. How is she supposed to be neutral? If the vampires, if she wants to be a vampire, and she wants to be in the vampire werewolf world, she has to follow their rules. And she cannot just... Like, the vampires and the werewolves have a pact. And she, like, she's being incredibly entitled to feel like she can have both. Yeah, also for, like we said before, it would be one thing if Jacob was this great character, great person that she wants to hold on to. Because then it is kind of like, why can't I be friends with, or why can't we stay friends over this, like, whatever like this whole enemy thing like let's move past that but like Jacob's not like he's not a good character and this is honestly kind of reminding me of that idea in the last series in the secrets of the immortal Nicholas Flamel with Sophie and Josh how we kind of talked a lot about how after Josh turned his back on Sophie we were like she should not forgive him it's the idea of cutting toxic people out of your life and that's where just like with that series I said that I was disappointed in it because it kind of shows how it's in the end, a little bit more geared towards children and that idea of like never ending forgiveness. Whereas like as an adult, no, you cut toxic people out of your life. You don't deal with that. Like that's not fair to you to have to deal with somebody who's constantly doing things you've asked them not to do is literally trying to steal you from your man and knowing that that will not make you happy just because it will make them happy. So Yes, I hate Jacob and I hate Bella's response to his actions in this book specifically. But I said, I this is, I think, my favorite book overall just because we get, as we'll see, we get a mixture of both. We get the vampire world and we get the wolves world, which is why, for me, I think this book is the most interesting as a whole. But we'll see what Charles thinks by the end of the series if he had to pick a book, which would be his favorite. Mm-hmm. And... Edward is right to be concerned about Bella going to see Jacob, seeing the wolves who are all, they're very immature. I mean, they're literally teenage boys who have turned into werewolves within a matter of weeks. And like we said, very volatile. You don't know how they're going to act. And again, this idea of Bella's never, Bella can't change to be like Jacob. So there'll always be that power dynamic and he'll always 
be more dangerous for her. Whereas to be with Edward, you know, she's planning on turning into a vampire. So they'll be equal. And even though Edward does go a tad overboard in the protecting her and with having Alice literally kidnap her when he's gone, he has shown and proven restraint against his monster instincts. Like of he's not drinking her blood as we saw in the first book. He very easily was able to suck the venom out, even though that was some kind of struggle that didn't didn't clearly play out. Whereas Jacob, we've seen multiple times where he's struggled to control his anger. Like he hasn't had like a breakdown yet but like even when um oh wait, we he hasn't attacked to- her but he literally says he's like i have to carry extra clothes around because i lose control <laughs> no that's that's not what he said <laughs> he didn't say i have to carry he says that they he explained that how when they change obviously their clothes don't morph with them so they're naked so usually they'll take like their pants off and they tie them around before they change but obviously, if you lose control, your pants explode. <laughs> but they don't have extra clothes on them. They don't have room for that. It's basically, though, we know that, well, again, we're also going to get further proof down this reading just, that Jacob cannot control his impulses. I'm just imagining him being like, my anger is so is so under, out of my control that I got to have an extra change of clothes. I got to carry a garment bag around because I just can't, I can't be trusted with my anger. But anyway, back to Alice and Edward, The I just thought it was funny and a cute moment of how Alice just kidnaps Bella for like this world's saddest slumber party. And then it only gets more tragic when Rosalie comes in to tell Bella her heartbreaking story about how she became a vampire and um, because she's trying to convince her not to make the choice to be a vampire. Yeah, before we get into Rosalie's story, we got to refocus because that is not a laughing matter. But you're totally right. Like the idea of a slumber party where three of the four people there don't sleep. (laughs) Best slumber party ever. (laughs) I guess. But focusing, taking this, now we're getting into some pretty serious material. But basically, Rosalie tells Bella that she was engaged and she was going to basically have her small city fairy tale. And the night before her wedding, she was actually gang raped by her husband and his friends or her husband to be and his friends and left for dead. And it was pretty awful. It's not skated over in the book. Like it's very clearly there, but you, it's not explicitly described. So it could sort of be, you could sort of jump over that, but Carlisle saves her and essentially Rosalie's warning Bella against transforming because she didn't have a choice in the transformation. So she doesn't think that Bella should ever choose to become a vampire and it was just a it was a hard thing to read. Yeah, I want to I want to know your thoughts a little bit more after I kind of go over how I saw it after, you know, rereading this book multiple times. But something that I noticed rereading it this time, like more as an adult and just being more aware, the very last line that Rosalie says in explaining it, she says how that after they leave her for dead in the street, some of one of Royce's friends says he's going to need a new bride. And then Royce responds with that next time he'll have to be more patient. And it's just heartbreaking because, you know, I feel like as a kid when I was reading this, like like you're saying, it's very clearly implied that she was gang raped. But that line right there is clearly saying, that you know, because also, you know, back in the olden days, like women are only worthy if they're a virgin. So not only have they done the traumatic thing of raping her, but she's ruined because 
for one, he was impatient, you know, couldn't wait until their wedding night to, you know, deflower her or whatever. But now, like, if she were to survive this, like, she's nothing. Like, she could never get married. She could never get mar- she married. She's worthless. So it's just, like, lots of things. So, like, and that's why, for me, I just really, this story, like, as heartbreaking as it is, I'm glad that Stephanie Meyer put this in here because it also finally makes you kind of feel more sympathetic to Rosalie because so far in the series she's kind of been like an antagonist almost towards Bella because it's clearly it's clear that she doesn't really like Bella and we don't really know why Bella has never done anything to hurt Rosalie so we kind of get a real explanation and she says because she she doesn't understand why Bella would ever choose this life because she specifically did not have a choice And also, Rosalie does bring up the fact to Bella that she should really be thinking about her decision because, you know, Bella is only 18 years old and, you know, she's like, in this moment, you're so in love with Edward and you know you want to spend the rest of your life, the rest of your existence with him, but there's some things like maybe having children that you have maybe never thought about that if you become a vampire will never be an option for you. So I also like that's for the continuation of the series, that's definitely an idea that she brings up. Yeah, it's... Rosalie has a good point that there are things that basically none of the Cullens really got to choose because they were either converted by Carlisle on their deathbed or they were converted by someone else. So they... While they might not be happy with their lot in life, they it's not something that they chose to receive, so therefore they can sort of live with it in a different way. But if Bella makes the decision to, and she decides later on that there are things she wanted, then she, it will be on her. Which is a, it's a, it's a valid point of Rosalie's, especially because we know that Bella very rarely thinks about herself and what she herself wants or what she herself needs. So we'll definitely have to see how that develops. I don't think the story has swayed Bella at this point at all. I think Bella is still pretty intent on transforming, but at least maybe she'll be thinking about it in a little different of a way. Yeah. And also I just wanted to point out too, Rosalie, I think specifically sees the turning into a vampire, even though, you know, it was a second chance at life for her since obviously she would have died if Carlisle would not have saved her. But for her, especially compared with all of the other Cullens, she was saved, but, like, she describes how she had this perfect life. She came from this, like, middle-class, upper-middle-class family, and she was on track. She was a beautiful woman that everyone in her town or whatever knew she was beautiful, and she was going to marry some rich person. And she said her dream in life, which I'm sure this was most women's dreams in life because they couldn't really do much more at the time was, you know, to have a good husband and have babies and have a house and have take care of the home. Like that was the only thing she won out of life. And by becoming a vampire, she no longer has access to that path. And she even says like, because Bella's like, well, you have Emmett. And she's like, I'll always love Emmett and Emmett. I'm so glad that I have him. But she's like, I'll never be able to grow old with Emmett. I'll never be able to see our little children running around. Like, it's just a different experience, which obviously for some people, some people want that, some people don't. But for Rosalie specifically, she had everything she wanted. And basically, the act of terrible rapists caused her to lose everything, basically. Whereas, because, you know, like, obviously Esme was 
committing suicide. Emmett was mauled by a bear. Edward was dying of the the Spanish influenza, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they were all, like, on their deathbeds. Like, they kind of didn't have a choice. It was kind of death or that, whereas Rosalie, her death was caused by, like, other human beings, if that makes sense. Like... Yeah. And she she had a quality of life before that she was hoping to continue through the rest of her life. And the other characters that we have didn't really have that. I mean, maybe even Carlisle, and he takes a long time to come to terms with it. And then he, like, completely changes his eternal life's mission. But Edward wasn't missing out on being a human, dying of the flu as a teenager. And Esme's life before she killed herself was because she lost a child. So she felt that her life was already incomplete. But Rosalie, she was on track to have everything. And Mm -hmm. she sees that Bella is still on track to possibly have everything she could want. Granted, Rosalie and Bella don't really know each other that well yet. So Bella, Rosalie doesn't really understand how Bella is in life. Yeah. Granted, I do think that Bella's monomaniacal love for Edward is maybe a little weird, but it is sort of all-consuming, and her, her like passion for taking care of people is all-consuming, and Bella doesn't see, doesn't think ever about herself having a porch or having a family. She's already gotten that motherly thing done by taking care of her parents forever. Yeah. She... All she really desires is Edward. And whether or not that's healthy, it's sort of up to her what she wants. I do think that, yeah, Rosalie definitely has a point, though, because even for me, who, like, <laughs> I'm terrified of being pregnant, like, having a baby come out from down there, that's so scary. But, like, as you get older, I can see that, like, the more of the desire that, like, I know that I want that eventually. And so, like, but for me, at 18 years old, no, I'd be like, no, that's not an issue. Like, I just want to be with my high school boyfriend forever. Like, you know what I mean? So I can definitely see where, like, I don't think Bella is fully thinking it through. The idea of not being able to have kids. It's like we said, if they had just been discussing, hey, we're going to set like a three-year timeline, you'll still be young and hot to be, and then when you become a vampire, you'll be even hotter to be with your boyfriend forever, but like give yourself a little more time. You've been dating this guy for two months. You're probably not ready to make an infinite commitment. Yeah, but at least at least with Rosalie's story, I just have to mention that she she does her whole revenge plot or whatever, and she kills all of them. So good, so good. And she goes in her wedding dress. I do like that. We like we like a good revenge story. I really wanted to see. I can't wait to watch the movies to see that. Yeah, the movie's good. And then after the slumber party, Jacob breaks Bella out of school on a Friday, and I just wrote that I noticed like so. I guess he just doesn't have school, which I know a couple chapters later. Bella mentions how the LaPush school got out a couple weeks earlier, so maybe he was already, like, done for the year. So that could be the explanation. also, like, does Jacob follow rules? Well, also, I'm like, because do the werewolves even go to school? Like, I don't know, but... They they cause a lot of attention. I didn't... I just noticed that. But this... He breaks her way. They go to LaPush. They're, like, talking, and then, you know, Bella tells him how... Because he's like, oh, when are you going to become a vampire? You know, thinking it's not anytime soon, and she's like... I'm getting, it's going to be graduation, which I think at that point is like a couple weeks away or maybe like a week, two weeks. It's very soon. And like Jacob did not realize that it was happening this soon. And Jacob literally says to Bella that she would be better off dead than turning into a vampire and that he'd prefer her that way. 
which she responds appropriately. She's like pissed. She leaves, storms away. And again, I this idea points this idea that he doesn't love her because if you love someone, there's no way. I don't care how heated of an argument you get in. Why would you ever say that you'd prefer them dead? Like what a terrible thing to say, which I understand he hates vampires and he thinks of vampires being worse than like being dead, I guess, because you're like a demon, I guess, something like that. But like for him to say that, like, and knowing that that's what Bella wants and will make her happy proves that you do not love her. You are selfish and only want, you think what's, you know, what's best for her and you don't care what she wants. You only like, oh, so, so toxic. I hate Jacob so much and so much more reading this again. I hate him. Yeah, I was livid. That was awful and unforgivable. So first, let me backtrack. One, why are you going to go see him? He is stupid. And you've already told him off early in this book for not respecting your boundaries and for bashing your boyfriend. Two, why are you kissing Mike Newton on the cheek just to break out of school? This boy is so into you, even though he's seen you like go back and forth with Edward. And (laughs) you already have Jacob who could literally tear him limb from limb. Like, why are we leading on poor Mike Newton? He was annoying in the first book, but, like, now he's just going to get false hope. So come on, Bella, get it together. And Jacob says before he, you know, breaks his friendship with Bella, he says that the treaty doesn't have a time limit or a location, which is a little questionable because he's basically saying that if she transforms, the treaty would be broken because that would mean the Cullens bit her. And she's like, well, I would go, like, far away. He's like, I don't care. The treaty would go forever, like, the entire world, the Collins can never bite anyone. And she's like, one, you've broken the treaty. So, like, you told me about the werewolf. So, t- two, if I want to become a vampire, I want to become a vampire. Three, Edward has already sucked Bella's blood once. Granted, he didn't bite her, but, like, he already sucked her blood once. This treaty sounds ridiculous. We haven't gotten um it written out anywhere. I need, I need, a, I need a copy from Carlisle. Like, he... And again, proving to your point that he doesn't love her, he he desires her, he, like, wants to possess her. If she wants to become a vampire, he would not be like, well, the treaty doesn't permit that. Like, is he going to kill her then? Because if she becomes a vampire, she'll be on the wrong side of the treaty. And then is he going to kill her? Like, if he loved her, he wouldn't kill her. And then, of course, those fatal words, better dead. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. Yeah, which about the treaty thing, it'll be something interesting. We'll get, I think, in the next book at the beginning, how the treaty, how Jacob feels about the treaty versus how the other werewolves feel about them breaking the treaty is different because Jacob has a personal stake in it because, again, he's possessive of Bella. But, you know, logically, rationally, it doesn't make sense when they all know Bella. They know that Bella wants to be a vampire, So if they turn her, why would they start a war that's unnecessary? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So from a rational perspective, like, Jacob's thinking emotionally. Like, he's saying all that, and it's like, but also, I mean, at this point, the Cullen clan is, but yeah, that's what I'm saying, but also at this point, the Cullen clan's at eight. The wolves at this point are what, like, five or six? Six. Like, there's not that, like, already they're, they're, it's a losing battle. Like, you know what I mean? So from, like, a logical, rational perspective, like, that doesn't make sense for them to go to war over someone they know who's saying. So, like, they'll talk about that later. 
Okay. But I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was Thank you, because I was it. like, the treaty, like, this sounds a little sus. Well, yeah, but that's also because we've really only heard things about the treaty, like, from Jacob's perspective, which we have to remember, Jacob is often thinking emotionally when he brings up the treaty because it has something to do with Bella. But then in a very big contrast, we get Edward, who comes returns from his hunting trip after, you know, Bella's was with Alice, and then she broke away to be with Jacob. And he is literally the perfect gentleman. Like, after after he resists Bella's, like, horniness because they're, like, in the bed or whatever. And Edward has growth, which right here shows that he is a real man and Jacob is not. Because he goes from literally holding Bella hostage so that she cannot go to La Push to actually saying that, you know, he trusts her judgment. And that he's like, I should support your decisions to see the werewolves because... Obviously, if you trust them, then I should trust them too because I trust you and I know that you have good judgment. And he even admits that, you know, he was kind of reacting based on his own prejudice against werewolves, which right there, like, perfect human being. This is this is why we love Edward. This is ultimately why I like the series is because of Edward and how much he just loves Bella. And also... During this scene, he reassures her that, like, she's the only one for him when she's kind of asking about the the female vampires in, Del- in Denali in Alaska that were, like, interested in Edward. And he's just like, no. He's like, you don't understand. He's like, my whole life was nothing. He's like, it was like the night sky, I think, was, like, dark. And when you came, it was like a shooting star. And, like, I can't live without it now. Like... I just, oh, it, it makes my heart melt. Like, that's the real romantic part that I like. Like, forget Jacob, forget Bella being stupid. Like, Edward loves Bella, and it's like, oh, so romantic. And how can he not have a soul if he loves her this much? Ah, Edward. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, Edward's chivalry is also, another aspect of it is he says, one, I trust your judgment, and two, he's like, I'm not going to allow anything to become a wedge in our relationship. And that's why this like feels like mature growth, but also believable. It would be one thing if he came back and he's like, you know what? I trust you completely. Go do whatever you want. Like that would not be a reasonable reaction. But him saying, I don't want to wedge in our relationship because there's something in it for him. He doesn't want to wedge in their relationship. He's like, this is something that you care about. And while I do trust you and you know, I'm willing to, like, put away my prejudice. But also, if there's something in it for him, which is more believable. There's a little bit of self-interest. He doesn't want anything to come in their relationship, but he also grows. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good section of growth for Edward. I was really into it. Which is a huge contrast with Jacob. Like, him putting a, put, him being able to put aside his own prejudice, like, against Jacob to do what's best for Bella is something that Jacob is incapable of doing. Incapable. He literally cannot not say bloodsucker. And Bella's like, please don't say that. And he's like, I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. I just can't shake the habit. I'm like, you didn't call them bloodsuckers until like three weeks ago. Like, get over it. Uh, just, and just also wait. you make the same mistake over and over. Oh my goodness. Well, back to Jacob. We have the complete opposite happen again. You know, she gets permission to go hang out with Jacob. She goes to the wolf stories and we get a lot of background. It's kind of stories that we already kind of like, we didn't know the exact details, but it's basically just confirming stuff we know about the wolves. And Jacob does the bare minimum by calling Edward and Charlie and says, I figured if I play nice, I would get more time with you. Like, 
Again, why are you so possessive of her? She is not an object that you get to control her schedule. She shouldn't tolerate him. Like, and I think that she kind of took that as like a charming thing that he like was respecting her relationship with Edward. But it was like, no, he literally said that this was all in a game to get to like claim you. It's because the bar is so low for him that when he does, like you said, the bare (laughs) minimum, he gets he gets praised, which it's like, no, he tripped over the bar. And that's why I said it's not even it's Jacob. Obviously, it's always terrible. But this is where like specifically it's specifically in this book, because after this, it gets I promise Bella gets better. But in this book specifically, and I guess it's this idea of like she just wants to hold on to Jacob like she wants to have them both which she will realize in the end is not possible in the way their relationship is right now. But oh, it's so it's so frustrating as the reader. Also, because it's just like Bella is not only not advocating for herself, she's not advocating for her relationship with Edward. Like she's just letting Jacob walk all over her over and over and over again. And I just like how you were saying about the the dead, like you're better off dead comment. Like, we wouldn't be surprised if she forgives him for that, too, because it's inevitable at this point. She will literally forgive him for anything. Well, she does. She goes back to the party, and I'm like, that is unforgivable. That is unforgivable. And she forgives him. Yes. And then there is a bit of a plot line we've kind of been neglecting that's pretty important. But basically, there have been a lot of clearly vampire killings in Seattle that the Collins have kind of noticed and are worried about. And... Some stranger vampire who none of the Cullens, like, recognize the scent. This person breaks into Bella's house, goes in her room. looks like he's stolen some of her things, probably to get her scent. And it becomes clear to the Cullens that they themselves are probably the target of these newborns. Because they also explain how it's likely newborns because there's mass killings and... There, like, is no care taken of, like, cleaning up the corpses. It's just, like, a mess in Seattle right now. And this leads us to getting Jasper's origin story, which is how he was kind of born into the vampire wars that were in the South, and he was trained in combat of, like, how to fight newborns and everything, and he, like, explains how newborn vampires are extremely strong for about the first year, and it's, like, because since they still have some of their human blood running through their system, they have that extra added strength. But because they're new, they're very, their fighting tactics are very predictable. So if you know how to fight them, it's not that hard. And so we find, so he's actually older than Edward because he was uh, from the Civil War times. And even though he's the newest to the vegetarian lifestyle. And something, because I was thinking about this in the last episode, we talked about ages with Belle obviously saying how like she doesn't want to be that much older than Edward and so I started to like kind of pay attention as we get some more background story on the other characters how old they are and Jasper says that he was almost 17 when he was turned because he said he lied about his age to join the confederate army so that means then he's 16 I mean unless before he got turned maybe he turned 17 so he's like 16 17 so that's young that's just as young as Edward if not younger And also just going back to Rosalie, Rosalie also does mention that she was 18 at the time. So it kind of makes even more sense now. I mean, I don't know if Bella knew that, but that Bella wants to be like in the teenage years because it kind of sounds like everyone's probably in their teens except probably Carlisle and Esme who are probably honestly 
maybe in their late 20s at the oldest. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like... Yeah, definitely. Especially also because the Cullens, they disguise themselves as being high schoolers. It's easier if they're all kind of the same age group. I just also, I mean, because... This is something like in the last episode, I even said, I was like, I don't think they mentioned anyone's age, but now reading it, I was like, oh, wow, they did say people's ages. It's just like such a throwaway fact that you, I never really noticed. But also because when you watch the movies, obviously all the actors are like 25 and up. So they definitely don't look like 17 year olds or 18 year olds or so that's why I would have just never guessed that that's how old they were supposed to be. But yeah, so they're all very young. So it would make sense then because at that point, then Bella would be getting up to Carlisle and Esme's age. So I, I kind of understand more why she wants to stay young. If that if everybody's in their teens because <laughs> she wants to be like her entire family. Aww. But then at the end of Jasper's story, I just really enjoy him talking about how, you know, he found Alice like at a diner, you know. She's like, I was sitting there waiting for you. You took forever. And then they, she obviously had the vision of the colon, so they go and find them. And it's just super cute how they join the family. It is very but, cute. <laughs> after all the side tangents, basically the Cullens recognize that there is this threat in Seattle and they think that they're probably going to have to go to Seattle to take care of the newborns themselves because also they're worried that the Voltori is going to come to Seattle. And then obviously if they're in Seattle, they'll likely come to check to see if Bella's still human. Yeah. So it's uh, not only are they probably the target of the newborns, but also they don't want to attract the attention of the Volturi. So they're like, we better deal with this ourselves. Mm-hmm. And all of this is happening and graduation creeps up on Bella and She's not quite ready to convert because she has no plan as to what to do with Charlie and Renee. And I said that last week. I was like, um, we still haven't developed a plan as to like what she's gonna do because she like she's gonna change physically, but also besides the fact that she's gonna have to go away for a year, when she comes back, she's gonna be a different person. And Then Edward also says that he will actually convert her if she marries him. So basically, time frames aside, Edward's condition has sort of been distilled and clarified to be, you marry me, I'll convert you myself. And Bella's like, I want your venom inside me. And then, you know, that was a double entendre. And Bella, but she's super resistant to the marriage thing. She feels like in the 21st century, she doesn't want to be, quote unquote, that girl who gets married after high school. And for Edward, obviously, his teenage time, being 17, he'd be perfectly eligible for marriage. So we kind of have that sort of class, but also like romanticism conflict of it. Like Edward kind of, because he feels so special about Bella, he kind of wants to have like that sort of marriage aspect of it. And Bella's really against it, especially given the situation with her parents. But I want to hear your thoughts on this, Asia. Just on the them getting married or also with the vampire turning into a vampire with her parents? Either one, both. Why not? <laughs> um, well, for the marriage thing, I totally understand Bella's perspective. Like, I cannot imagine getting married at 18 in current times. Well, you've already passed that. Your which, newsflash, we're both older than 18. <laughs> which, I don't know if it was in the book, but I know in the movies, they, I, they at some point she's like, if I get married now, they're all going to think I'm pregnant. Like, they're going to think you got me pregnant, and that's why we're getting married. Though, so, <laughs> so, like, that, I totally understand her resistance to that. 
But I also like because how Edward's like, I understand you're looking at it from that perspective. And then he like explains, you know, in my day, like you said, it's perfectly reasonable at our age for us to have gotten married. And she kind of has this vision, you know, of them like back in the early 1900s, I guess, like how it would be normal. And I think at this point, if she's so set on being a vampire and like, I understand that she wants Edward to do it because, you know, I would want Edward to do it too. Because she, she explains how it's like this idea of, he is choosing her, like saying that I love you so much that I'm going to change you into vampires so that we can literally be together forever. So I get that. And I don't know. I just think that since they're going to become vampires and like leave the real world anyway, like who cares if you get married and your friends from high school that you're never going to speak to again. That she doesn't even like. like she doesn't even like, like her friends from high school. Why does she care what they think? But I also, she also, talks, she's really resistant to it because that's literally what her parents did. And... At this point, like as always said, Bella does not have a plan as to what she plans to do about her relationship with her parents when she turns to a vampire. Like, is she going to fake her death? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And so I think she's probably, I would think what I'd be worried about is my last impression from my parents is going to be that I got married young, which is exactly what they did, which was a mistake for them because they got married, had a baby, and then they were immediately divorced. I think like they said, like within a year. And she said, like, she's been raised her whole life that, like, Renee, her mom, is like, don't get married young. Smart, mature people get married, like, over the age of 25. So she'd be going against something that she's been taught her whole life and that her parents are probably super-duper against. So to think she goes through with it, her parents accept it, and then she disappears forever and they never see her again, like, that just seems like kind of a sucky way to say goodbye to your parents. So I can understand from that perspective. But like I said, I think, you know, the idea of, like you said, other people caring, like, she doesn't really care about her friends anyway. And again, you're going to live forever and, like, all those people are going to die anyway. Who cares what they think? But yeah, as far as with with her parents, what she plans to do, I, I can't really say anything because obviously I know what happens. So I can't like give you what's my theory. Like I know exactly what happens. But do you have a theory as to what she plans to do? Because obviously they haven't. She doesn't really have a plan right now. I don't have a theory yet. It would be convenient if Stephanie Meyer killed off Charlie somehow. Not that I'm saying she should. I don't think that's going to happen either. I don't think that's likely. Don't kill Charlie. But I think that that could happen if it, like, I have, I have no theory. I just want to get some answers on it because I do think that Bella's method of transformation and her timeline of transformation will be determined by whatever the plan is. Yeah. Like, I think there are a bunch of variables right now, and she's kind of, like, plugging one. Like, it's not a Y equals MX plus B. Like, this is, like, AX plus 2z squared <laughs> minus 3c times 7xyq. Like, she's got too many variables, and she's just, like, suggesting one of them. Like, graduation is the transformation date. But she hasn't thought about any of the other ones, so obviously she can't get an equation right. Or she's like, I want Edward to be the one. But she's like, also not... She's like, but also the number for marriage, not marriage, is an unreal number, so the equation doesn't work. Sorry about this math joke. It's really not working. But... Basically, she's got too many factors, and because she hasn't nailed down any of them, she can't really go forward, so we'll just have to see. I think yeah. that as they get nailed down, the plan will become evident. Mm-hmm. And then we have the final chapter of the reading, which sent my rage fires. You heard them boiling earlier. Oh my goodness. They went ablaze. I've been mad at Jacob this whole time. Wait, wait. Can I can I interrupt for a second? Because I remember when Charles was reading this part because 
we live together and <laughs> I heard him, I think I was in the bathroom and I heard him screaming, like shouting. And I remember I had to open the door and be like, are you okay? I thought he had passed out, was having a heart attack. And he was like, oh my God, I cannot believe Jacob did that. Like, and Charlie, like Charlie's reaction. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought you were actually hurt. <laughs> Charles is Asia so dramatic. Asia thought I was in actual just physical I distress. I actually was worried because he was like, like you were like, ugh. I was like seething, hissing, like I was like, like ah! I, yeah. I don't even know what the noise I made. It was a visceral noise. I could not control it. I was so mad. That is a true story. Asia literally was in the bathroom and was like, "What's going on?" Are I you was all like, right? "Are you okay?" And he's like, "I can't believe it." I was like, "I thought you were actually like not okay." Also, was it the day that I got the second dose of my vaccine? And therefore, like, I was, like, I was having some symptoms. So I was, you were already on alert because I was already, like, possibly in medical distress. Yeah, so I was like, oh, my God, are you okay? <laughs> I think that's what that was. But anyway, I was really mad because Jacob kisses Bella without her permission. And when she clearly tries to make him stop, he does not stop. And then he brings out his ridiculous argument that she doesn't have to change to be with him. And which we've already said, if she doesn't change, he will always be more powerful than her. So we don't even have to address that ridiculous argument anymore. But he forces himself on her and she is really, really angry. And he's like, well, I love you. I need to fight for you. I need to shoot my shot. And he's like, Edward left you. I would never do that. And she's like, you literally left me. When you transformed into an into a werewolf, you left me. And you basically broke me the same way he did. And again, I don't want you. And he forces himself on her. I was... I have to stop talking. I have to stop talking. I'm so mad. Yeah. Jacob assaults Bella. He sexually assaults her. There is no other word for it. And I will say at least, because I'm thinking in the movie, if I remember correctly... In the movie, they don't make it near, they don't make it as bad because we're reading it like it's not like a peck. It's like a, he forces himself and then she's pushing against him. And because, she struggles. And because he's dangerously strong, he forces her, like he holds onto her so that she cannot push him away. And she just stops. She was fighting him basically and he will not stop. So she just goes limp and stops moving like and holds to like a statue which is literally what people describe when they're raped about how they fight until they can no longer fight and they just wait for it to be over so it was really triggering reading it this which i always knew this was a bad part like i always knew that that was bad i will say at least in the movie which we'll watch them obviously after we finish i believe in this scene they make it, it's way faster like it's more of like a peck and i think she pushes him off like, he doesn't hold her down like that. Because to me, that was the ultimate where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how can you not see what's wrong with that? But this is definitely the moment. This is where Jacob ultimately crosses the line into where if I would have been writing the story, I would have had Edward kill Jacob. Like, I think Edward would have lost a moment of control and he would have killed him. And Bella would have been upset. But she would have eventually gotten over it because he would have been like, Bella, he assaulted you. Like, that's why I'm like. This is where, like, yeah. This last is, time someone assaulted Bella, Edward tore him limb from limb. This, like, when she got attacked by James, Edward destroyed him. Yeah, and so, like, for like, we already know I hate Jacob, but in this book, particularly, like I said, I dislike Bella because we don't see this yet. But like, 
as we can see, like, I'm sure you're assuming that she is going to let him get away with this behavior because she's forgiven him for everything else. And even though, like we said, this is crossing a line, once she forgives him for this, like, there's just no going back because he can just do anything to you and it's okay because... She's not going to forgive him for this. I'm not going to say anything, but... Oh, I mean, she just... Why am I saying that? I'm like, I read that and I was like, irredeemable. Full stop and done. But then again, he also said he would rather she be dead than be who she wants to be. And she forgave him for that too. So, Which I'm saying, all everything else that we've said that we don't like Jacob, Jacob is words. Words. Which people can be like, some people like, they'd be like, oh, he didn't mean it, whatever. But this was action. He did actions to you that were unwanted. And when you tried to, like, basically the ascent of no, you saying no... He ignored your no. Like, that's, like, rapist behavior. Like, ignoring mm-hmm. the no and keeping going. So, like, for me, this is where, like I said, I would have... This has I would to be have the changed, breaking point. From this point, I would have changed probably the rest of Jacob's story in this book. And I feel like I am really not looking forward to reading anything more with Jacob because this, I feel like now more than ever, like, it's... It, it was always not okay, but I feel like now it's like, no, that's really not okay. Like, no, Jacob, like you said, irredeemable. Like, he doesn't deserve a happy ending at all. Like, he should be punished in some way. He should be held accountable for his actions. So, I am just like, ugh, I can't, like, the ending and stuff, like, ugh, I'm already angry. And then I get even more angry because Charlie is totally okay with it. Bella's like, I punched at Jacob. And Jacob's like, yeah, she did. And Charlie's like, why would you do that, Bella? And Jacob's like, I kissed her. And Charlie's like, good job, son. Oh, my God, I was so mad. Why on earth is he? I mean, I know that Charlie prefers Jacob and he hates Edward. But, but, his daughter has just been assaulted, received unwanted sexual advances at someone, at the hand of someone who's supposed to be a friend or like a brother to her. And Charlie is perfectly fine with that. Like what on earth? Charlie, like I want Charlie to die too now. I don't want Charlie to die. I think that's, that comment is more just of the, I said like the books don't age well because like, you know what I mean? For Charlie, Jacob, who it's clear that this whole time Jacob has a crush on Bella and when Edward was still gone, like there was kind of a, in the air, like it seemed like Jacob and Bella might get together. Like I'm saying from Ed, I mean, from Charlie looking from the outside in also to me, like I'm saying what was ultimately triggering was the description of her literally fighting him and he doesn't stop that and then going limp. That yeah. is the idea of, cause you know, I mean, if you want to say that, you know, Jacob was bold and was shooting his shot and, you know, just went for the kiss, still not okay because no consent. But the fact that she, if you were to say, well, I didn't know she wanted it. I just wanted to go for it. Okay. As soon as she's hitting your chest, struggling on you, that means it means keep going. Like, that's why I'm saying like, cause when like that argument of like, it's all bad, but if you want to be devil's advocate or whatever, and you're like, well, you know, I wanted to shoot my shot. It's been clear that, like, she might have feelings for me or you've convinced yourself of this. She said she loves me a bunch but of times. But there's no way. She tolerates all of my terrible behavior. Yeah, you know what I mean? But, like, there's no way you can argue against the fact if a girl is fighting against you as you're kissing her, that, that, means, she, that means she doesn't want it. She wants you to stop. So, like, that for me is where, like, which, like, Charlie wouldn't have known that. So that's why I'm saying, like, 
for me, like reading it this time, like that is the most triggering part of it because it's just like that, like I said, that is ultimately to me what makes him irredeemable because the fact that he thought, thinks that's okay, that that is what you can do to somebody because you have feelings for them. It doesn't matter how they feel about it. Like, and then he even says, he's like, you were kissing back. How would you know if she was kissing back? Are you in her head? Because to me, fighting and then standing limp as you're assaulted is not kissing back. It's literally, it's literally the equivalent of being like, well, she was asking for it. So, ooh, I would kill Jacob. If I was like, when Bella's like, I want to be a vampire, I want to be a vampire right now so I can rip Jacob to shreds. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still don't think it's okay. I do not think that Charlie's attitude is okay. I, I agree think, that he doesn't have all I don't of think the it's okay. Details, but. I don't think it's okay. I'm just saying that that to me is from the, if we're looking at when this book was written and stuff, that to me is less problematic. Like if you're saying on a scale, obviously, but none of it's okay. The fact is he shouldn't have kissed her at all without consent. As soon as Charlie, the, if her response was punching Jacob in the face, that automatically means, well, she obviously didn't want him to kiss her. So when he yeah. says, well, what did you do? I kissed her and even like, why, where's your gun now? Pull out your gun, police officer. This man just kissed your daughter without consent. But that's bad. That, that was still the boys will be boys. Yeah, but that's. Uh, oh, I'm so I'm so enraged. Um, I'm just beyond enraged. And I don't and I Charlie just like. It, it, it feels very chauvinistic in his like, we know that Bella does not want to be with Jacob. Charlie knows that. So Charlie, as a father and like as like her guardian should not want her to be in a situation she does not want to be in. And he should not, no matter whether he would rather have Jacob as a son-in-law, like that is still unacceptable behavior on Charlie's part. Yeah. But that wraps us up. That's the end. Yes. And then one last thing, because in this book, we learn about imprinting, which I'll just give like a quick explanation of what it is. Basically with the werewolves, Jacob explains it to Bella that basically... Ultimately, what it is, is when one of the werewolves, they see, they only describe it as when they see a a girl, a woman, they see this girl and it's basically like, that's your soulmate. And they use the metaphor that before gravity was holding you down to earth, but when you see her, now it's her holding you down. So you'll be anything, do anything for her. And specifically in this, we find out that Quill, one of I think it's Quill, right? Mm -hmm. Quill, one of Jacob's good friends, he imprints on a two-year-old. And I know this is something that's gotten a lot of criticism, I would say, overall in the books, the movies, this idea of imprinting, because, like, does it, is it, like, suggesting, like, pedophilia? Which, in the books, to me, how it's described, because even Bella, Bella does have an, like, a she's like, that's really creepy when he first says it. And basically how Jacob explains it is that, so if Quill imprints on this two-year-old girl, it's it's not in any romantic way. He sees her as like a little sister and he's going to care for her like a big brother until, you know, she's maybe a little bit older than their friends. He's going to be her best friend until, you know, she's an adult age or whatever, or they're the same age, basically, that then it would be like, oh, then he would have romantic feelings for her, which they also talk about the imprinting because Bella's like, well, does the girl have a choice in it? And he's like, well, usually that the adoration that you're constantly getting from them like most people you like it and you're like they said it's your soulmate it's somebody who was made for you so usually the 
the girl, whatever, likes it. Like they return the love or whatever. So it's like, but they do have a choice. If they didn't want it, they could turn away basically is what he's suggesting. But he's just like, that usually doesn't happen because they're like made for each other. But to me, like reading this and thinking about it, what I would have an issue with is if I was, if I knew somebody from when I was two years old, who was, I saw as like a big brother and then we got older and we were friends and he's not aging. Like, I don't know. I would feel weird about then like dating and marrying this person. Like, it would be one thing if you were friends, cause like plenty of like best friends end up together in the end. Like, you know, you're the same age, you grow up together, but they're not growing up together. Quill is a 16-year-old, full-grown, basically, like, boy. Yeah, he's the body of a 28-year-old, but he's a 16-year-old yeah, mind. A, with the body of a full-grown man, and you're a 2-year-old, and so you're growing, and this man isn't changing because he's essentially waiting for you. So for me, that is where I would think it would be weird. Which, if they're saying the woman has a choice... You would think that, okay, when this little two-year-old grows up, if she doesn't like this, she can move on. But I don't know how for me, like, I'm thinking, like, of fatherly, brotherly figures in my life. Like, I can't imagine, I guess, like, if they stayed the same age, knowing them from when I used to poop my pants in diapers to, like, being, like, now we make love. Like, I'm just saying, like, that to me would be weird. That would be, so, like, I don't think it's pedophilia, but to me, that would be where I'm, like, that would be uncomfortable for me for the two-year-old when they grow up. Yeah, I, it didn't, it definitely didn't feel like pedophilia to me. Like, it didn't creep me out in that way. But I totally agree with you that the, the relationship changing that way would not feel comfortable to me. Like, knowing someone as a child and then like. Because it's like they're growing up, but the, the werewolf, they're not. So it's like not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, like it's it's not weird with the Sam and Emily story no. because they're the same age-ish when they when he imprints. And also like I do think that the argument that Jacob has that like when you imprint like the woman has a choice. I'm like, but aren't you just going to stalk her forever? Like it kind of sounds like if you, if your whole world has been changed, it sounds like you're going to stalk her forever. So even if she rejects you and even if you show restraint, which, as we've seen, werewolves cannot do, like, are you going to follow her around, be her bodyguard? Which this is also where with Stephanie Meyer, I think it would have been nice of her, like, how he's like, no, the woman has a choice. And then he would have given an example of, yeah, like, this werewolf imprinted on this girl and she she wanted to go to school or something, so she left. Like, she wasn't interested. Or she was afraid of the legend. Like, you know what I mean? But the idea of you say it in concept, but there's no proof. There's no evidence of that happening. It's like, well, would they really have a choice? Because like you're saying, well, what if they choose to leave, but then because they're so, they're being held down to earth by her, they can't stand being away from her. Like, does the werewolf then, like, kill themselves? Like, I'm just saying, like, there's so many things that it's like, oh, like, you don't think about that. I feel like that is kind of like, she didn't go, she didn't dive deep enough into it to make it fully make sense yeah i didn't i definitely didn't feel like it was like an endorsement of pedophilia at all i just felt like it was sort of unfleshed out and i feel like the point of it being introduced is kind of to show that like if imprinting is sort of like an omnipotent power that sort of like comes over you and jacob clearly has not been imprinted on bella like maybe deep down he knows that they're not supposed to be soulmates i don't know if he's I don't think that he's going to imprint on her because from what imprinting sounds like, it is sort of this power that, like, 
puts the correct people together. Yeah, they're going to talk about it more too. But I he really wants it to happen. Like it sounds like Jacob really wants to imprint on her. Which they but how is described? It's it's love at first sight. So the fact is, he would have imprinted on her the first second he saw her. Well, so again, he's not going to because they're not soulmates. Her soulmate is Edward. They're not. That's why. That's the whole point. And that's why Jacob is like fighting fate and like fighting against like the things that like you are not meant to be with her and you need to stop being so hung up on her because you know you're a terrible person. <laughs> But apparently Besides you're an attractive guy. just being a guy. very bad person. Like, you're an attractive guy. Like, you could find somebody who wants a bad boy, I guess. But, and also I think yeah. maybe Jacob, which maybe that is where, like, it's, like, redeeming. I don't know. I just hate him. Like, because, like I said, to me, the things yeah, he's done so far. he's irredeemable to me. The things he's done so far are unforgivable. But you could maybe, like, make the argument if you really like Jacob that it's, like, he's doing all these things because <laughs> There's he's no so reason caught to like up Jacob. on Bella. But I'm like, that's his fault. And, like, it's his fault that he's caught up in Bella. Because even though Bella is selfishly, like, wanting to be friends with him, that's not le- – she's not leading him on in any way. He's an adult. And also, like, the reason you commit a crime is still – like, it's still a crime. I mean, it's obviously, like, we have hate crimes. Exactly. Like, we, ha- we have hate crimes. We have different degrees of murder. Like, we have different types of manslaughter. Like, we have different – the motivation – depending on, like, crimes you still gets get figured in. But, no like, matter what. Yeah, like, if you do something wrong, just, like, even if you were doing it because you, you have a crush on someone and they told you to do something wrong, if you do something wrong, you still serve punishment. Like, so, and again, I don't understand how anyone can have, having read this for the first time, I'm reading this book for the first time, I don't understand how anyone at this point can have anything that they like about Jacob. There's, like, I do not, there's no no attractive qualities besides the fact that he's sexy. Well, I think because people who are actually Team Jacob are just have, they've probably never read the books. Because I would say in the, in the movies he's still problematic, but, like, it's not, it's not to the same degree. And also people are clouded well, by, the they're movie, like, oh, Taylor Lautner's hot. Yeah, exactly. So they're, Where like, overcome like by that. you're, like, physically comparing the men. But I'm glad we could talk about like, the imprinting. If you're reading the books... Yeah, if you're reading the books, there's no... Yeah, there's no question, but... Yeah, we'll talk about imprinting more next... I guess we'll get more information as the book goes on, right? Yeah, I just... Yeah, I just wanted to... That's something really important, because, like, that's a huge criticism of... Or people talk about that, they're like, oh, she's promoting pedophilia, and it's like... If you actually no, read not the reading books, it. you don't... That's not what it is. Like, there's still problems with it, but that's not the problem. And also, I will say, uh, mention, in the movie, they completely remove... Quill's character imprinting on this two-year-old. I don't think that exists in the movie, which I could see, like, to me, is it makes it less... It makes it, again, how I was talking about giving evidence of something, for later on in the series, it makes it where it's like, oh, this is weird because they haven't given more evidence of it. But I can't talk about it too much because I'll spoil for the next book. But... I think that's one of those spoilers that, like, I think I have read it down, like... Through life, but I'm not going to get into because I don't want you to confirm and you have no poker face, so you will reveal. Well, yeah, but I also don't want to spoil it for because maybe somebody who's listening has never has never read before. But we just have to keep reading. So we are going to be finishing Eclipse for next week. So if you are reading along with us, just go ahead and finish the book. And if you have any predictions or theories or questions, remember you can always stay in touch with us on the Nerd Party website. 
you just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact. You select Throwback Paperback. You can send us an email right there. You get in touch with the network on Twitter at JoinNerdParty, Instagram at TheNerdParty, Facebook.com slash TheNerdParty. You can find me directly. I'm at C.E. Sheeland on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.